Before we get started, I just wanted to quickly say that this episode was very hard to edit for a few reasons. So first of all, the sound quality isn't great. I'm not sure why. I'm going to be workshopping that. Um, More to the point, though, this episode is done with my dad, and my dad and I have had many issues over the years, as that's mentioned in the episode. But the result was that I was definitely not at my best in different points during the episode. It can get very frustrating because the dynamic of tension is pretty obvious at different points. So I wanted to go ahead and put in a trigger warning for people who deal with family tension in conversation a lot. This might be a difficult episode for you. Also a content warning, at different points we talk about safe spaces, we talk about sexual abuse victims briefly, and we also talk about the idea of mental wellness and happiness being the responsibility of people, of of each person, and it definitely delves into the territory of possible victim blaming or blaming people for their own poor mental health. So if any of those issues are triggers for you, I would ask that you carefully consider if you want to listen to this episode. Please feel free to skip parts that make you uncomfortable or skip the episode altogether. The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. Okay, so... My name is, once again, Kara. It'll be Kara throughout the whole series, so don't worry. We're going to do a special episode for you today. It may be the beginning of a series that will be called How My Dad is Wrong About. (laughs) So I have with me here today my wonderful father, and we're going to learn how my dad is wrong about common law and emotional hurt. So, hey, Dad, how are you? Not too bad, sweetheart. So you asked me last week to have a conversation with you about common law, and uh, I said, why don't we record it instead of having it on the phone? So your question to me, actually, why don't you tell me what your question to me was? Basically, it came out of a conversation with your brother, and we were talking as a general, as a start for it, let's lay the groundwork. If, if you consider in a basic, simple definition, common law is that the, you have the right to do anything you want, do as you will, as long as you cause no hurt. If you cause hurt, then you're held accountable for that hurt. And traditionally, that hurt has been recognized as a physical damage or financial damage. And him and I, when he and I were talking, the um, the issue came up of, of emotional hurt. Okay. And should you be held accountable for that emotional hurt? And you said no. Well, and okay, go ahead. Yeah. And Brian basically said, well, of course, yes. Right? Yeah. That's that's how I understand. That's how you explained it to me the other day yep. when I said, "No, no, no, Dad, I can't talk about it right now because I will stay up forever and I need to sleep." <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 like the, and the the whole thing came out of the context in the sense that you know should you be held accountable for somebody else's emotional hurt? And yeah, it's it's not a simple yes and no answer, but but yeah, we have a difference of opinion on the whole thing. Because one of the big questions I ask, and that is if. If you're going to do it in a legal sense and hold somebody accountable for emotional hurt, how are you going to quantify that? How are you going to measure that? You know? And, and well, un- go ahead. Under com- under common law, I would think that legality would look a lot different. No. I would think, and I would like so if you're talking about if we're doing it like in a legal sense, like we just came in and swooped in and just replaced the legal system, and the world didn't fall apart like it would yeah. uh, with a completely different legal system. Like, everybody was, for some reason, on board with it. How would we handle emotional hurt? 
I would say that we could probably do it in a similar way that we do now for physical heart with a with a consensus type thing. I mean, I think that there is definitely people that are more sensitive and there's definitely people that are less sensitive, but I think that the general population has a pretty good idea of what is hurtful and what's not most of the time. If you were talking legally, see, I thought this conversation wasn't going to be legally, but so much um, philosophically do okay. we have a responsibility. Well, yeah, no, no, it, that, that is part of it. Because it's the, the, um, my brain just farted again. <laughs> like I say, if, 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 if people, we're, we're looking, we were talking about in the sense of uh, like, uh, legally, like, are you responsible for other people's pain? And my, 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 my basis comes out of the fact that what goes on between your years, between, between the two years in your brain and in your mental sphere, if you will, mm-hmm. is, is your responsibility. And, and, and having said that, uh, don't, Please don't. I mean, it's something that requires teaching and training, and and most of us have been failed in this way. From you know, I, I put it this way: our, our ancestors failed us, but they failed us through ignorance, because the world we live in today looks nothing like the world of I mean, a hundred years ago or even fifty years ago, because we're so interconnected and all the rest of this. And people can you know, there, there is the opportunity for people to get hurt. Um, you know, somebody says something and somebody else takes it the wrong way. But that's that's the gist of what I was I was trying to get through to him. To I was talking to your brother, and the point I was making is making is that what goes on between your years is your responsibility. You know, you get angry and turn around and hit somebody. People will say, "Well, I'm not. I wasn't responsible because I was angry. You know, I was angry and I hit somebody." And it's like, "Well, no, you are responsible." You know. So go ahead. Oh, okay. So I have a few things that I want to say. Mm, I forget the first one, so we'll just skip it. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but I think, I mean, we've had this conversation God, a thousand times. Maybe. I think that we are equally responsible for what we put out as what we take in. So I agree that we are responsible for how we receive things. And, and when I say responsible, I definitely especially mean in the sense that no one else can fix it for us. Even a person that hurt us, like say, say you called me some nasty name. And, and I felt hurt, you couldn't uncall me that. You couldn't take it back. You could ask for forgiveness and apologize, but it wouldn't actually take back any damage that it might have done. I'm the only one that has an, an opportunity or the ability to, heal, to. Yeah. to heal anything that's gone on with me. So in that sense, I very much agree that we're responsible for what we take in. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the fact that we're responsible for what we take in negates the responsibility for what we put out as well. Especially, I mean, yes, there's ignorance involved. You know, yep. you were talking about our ancestors being in ignorance and stuff too. But even with ignorance involved, I mean, I think that taking responsibility for what we put out, what we present to the world, regardless if it is misinterpreted, is is key to happiness. I think it's key to humility. You know, realizing that I'm fallible and yes, I may have, I may shoulder some of this blame. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't believe in a punitive justice system anyway, so if we're talking legally, well, actually, you it gets very... Well, there's, there's, um, let me, there's one point I just want to throw in here as a, an abstract point that doesn't, you know, it's a conversation. Like, our system today does take into account, like, emotional damage in the sense of punitive... Oh, you know, if you sue yes. somebody and there's punitive damages and they... there's But it's, it's kind of a floating scale. There's no, like, how badly was somebody hurt? How badly was somebody damaged? And it's... I think... And, and I... Because it speaks to the point when you were saying, I think you mentioned here, where you know, where um, if you do something and you hurt somebody, you're. I mean, you can't we, we, we agree you can't undo it, and you're accountable for that. But where where does the? I guess maybe where does the the balance lie? Like, if I 
I'm just trying to think of an analogy. If I push you and you just let yourself be pushed over, is the responsibility for you falling completely mine? Or do you have some kind of a responsibility to stand, have a, have a good strong stance, to be, you know, to be rooted, to use a term from Tai Chi, that, that you know, you, that, that you're not going to just fall over in the first breeze of the wind and somebody comes over and pushes against you. Well, that can be considered an assault, but it didn't, you know, it didn't knock you over. Yeah, I mean... Do, do, do you see what I'm saying there? Like I said, like there is some accountability on both sides, and I think we, we're agreeing on that. And the problem that comes down to is is that where does the the, the marker lie? Like, like the, you know, in terms of what... Okay, you're going to be accountable if you hurt somebody this much. Because, okay, so... Then, okay, sorry, so, I just wanted... One last thing I wanted to say is the other thing is is that everybody's capacity or tolerance of being hurt is different. Right, and it's different by each circumstance as well. Yes, so so there's a, there's so many things that are going through my brain right now. But first <laughs> is that I remember what I was going to say earlier. Okay, and that is that our current justice system accounts for emotional pain and suffering. It it already does that. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Yep. Um, it needs to be you know considered quantifiable and stuff. But th- that already exists. As far as the example of pushing someone over, there's so many factors. Is it everyone's responsibility to be grounded and to be rooted and to be in the best mental health that they can be? I mean, I actually, because we're talking about emotional pain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually was, I kind of briefly touched about that in the first episode because it's, it's a, it's a lot more difficult of a question than it sounds like. Like it well, sounds like, sure. oh yeah, obviously, but we're all going through different experiences. And you know, the difference, I think I said this to you yesterday on the phone when we were talking about something, but you know, trauma, like a traumatic event does not automatically create trauma. But in some people's brains, it does. Like, it's not all, it's not all like psychology and people just aren't doing enough or aren't doing well enough or putting enough into it. There's a million factors that go into anyone's mental health. So you can't blame people for where their mental state is at. Right? So um, if, if you come yeah, over and you come push too. me over and I just say I've just gone through a trauma, you have no idea, has nothing yeah. to do with you. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a completely separate trauma. I'm not necessarily showing signs that you recognize as being going through trauma and you come push me over and I fall down and you feel like I shouldn't have fallen down because you just pushed me lightly. That doesn't mean that I'm not completely justified in not being able to handle what someone puts out on me. Like oh, that's yeah. why and, I say and, I think it's really, no, and, really and just important. and just to add another variable to the whole thing is is that you know, how hard it is, like how hard I have to hit you to push you over today may be less than tomorrow or vice versa. It's a floating, it, that whole it becomes sliding, a floating thing. Sliding scale. Pardon me? Sliding scale. Sliding scale, yeah. You know, okay, it becomes a sliding scale where you can, and, and it's to, I think a lot of the, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about is born out of this, like a lot of the stuff that you're seeing happening on, and I don't know if, I don't know if it's going on to the same degree, but I know in the last couple of years there's been, been times on a lot of different uh, university campuses, for example, where a speaker comes and some group doesn't agree with what that person says because they find it to be hurtful, offensive, whatever the case might be, and they're going to shut them down kind of thing, you know, and I don't know how I've even gotten on this, on this rabbit I don't trail. know either. You managed to get there a lot, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You but got there because no, it's no, but but it's, but it's that, but it's, no, but it, but it ties to what we're talking about here because the whole thing is, is that it's... This kind of behavior is, it's not acceptable, but it's becoming more acceptable. And especially, like I say, I'll pick on the university or the post-secondary education where, you, you know, you're having, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them are having, you know, like safe spaces where people can go, which is so unrealistic because there uh, is no safe spaces. No, hold on. There's no safe spaces in the world. 
<laughs> and it's like, if we have this idea that, that everything should be a perfect and safe and harmonious place for us, both physically and mentally, and since we're talking about the mental health, you know, that it's almost like people want to abdicate or give up their responsibility, accountability for their own mental health and their mental behavior. <sighs> like somebody says something, you get offended. Well, then I've been hurt or I've been, you know, put it that way. And it's like, well, you've been hurt because you allowed it to hurt you. It can, it can hurt you in the sense of it could be a hurtful thing that you hear, but you, you make a decision to take it in and, and, you know, like take an offense to it. And that's a, that's a mental decision we make knowingly or unknowingly. And yes, you know what? There are people who are outliers, people who have mental health problems who really just can't, you know, can't get up in the morning and decide what they should have for breakfast kind of thing. I've been there. I know what it's like. It's not fun. And I'm not talking about those individuals. I'm talking about the general population. And, and so if I say something that you find hurtful or offensive, but to me, I believe it to be truth, where do we draw the line? We're okay, just like, so free speech is another so part of this and all thoughts. that comes in. I, have I know. so many thoughts. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the recording and get them all. <laughs> uh, it's just, okay, so number one, yeah, so I agree that we have a responsibility to some degree to watch what we take in and stuff. The whole safe spaces thing is an entirely different thing that you clearly don't understand well, which is fine. I will do my best to explain it to you. It's but, not a matter if I don't understand it, I don't agree with it. But that's okay. No, that's a whole other conversation. Okay. I think it's actually a case of you not understanding it. Mm-hmm. The whole concept has been really misrepresented in in a lot of media, even mm-hmm. even more non like uh, nonpartisan media, mm-hmm. um, has been pretty misrepresented and oversimplified and made to look like something that it is entirely not. And then as far as I think that the the piece that you and I really disagree on though is I think that we're just as responsible for if, what we put out. If if I say something and huge swaths of people say that hurts me, then it really is my responsibility to go, oh, why is that hurtful? And even if I don't understand it fully, to try to not be as hurtful in the future. Yeah, people but, okay. who just dig their heels in and, and say, no, this is my truth and I'm allowed to say it, that that is very unkind. And unnecessary. It's it's resting on the principle that I should be able to say what I want, and and it so, so, does so to hurt be, people. People so, are so vocal be, about it. So, that, and I don't think this is what you're saying, but it sounds like you're saying in order to be kind, you should lie. No. Like I say, if you, and, and like I, I mean, say, a, a, lot, a lot of these points we're talking about too is like people are putting out the points that are their truth, if you will. We'll call it that for lack of a. You know, this is what I believe to be the truth, and this is my op- opinion, my understanding, whatever the case might be, and somebody else's understanding is completely different. And it, especially if it's a case like, is it neither is right, neither is wrong. It's it's just a matter of, you know, I don't happen to agree with the fact that you have a left wing, right wing, whatever view. Okay. And, and it's and, 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 and it's like, because I don't agree with it and it causes me pain, it should not be allowed to exist. Because the pain it causes me in the disagreements, like I can't understand why you believe that. That's completely wrong. Therefore, you're wrong. You shouldn't be allowed to practice what you believe. Like that's that in itself is like I say you're ta- I mean it's it's like you're trying to construct the world outside ourselves that is so safe and 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 without danger that we can be protected within when it should be the other way around you should build up your mental fortitude your mental understanding that you can take adverse ideas that you don't like and not be threatened or hurt by them because it's it's something you disagree with, or you, you know. I mean, if you, I mean, and, and, and like I say, it's a spectrum, right? Because I mean, there's okay. there's some things that everybody's going to agree are wrong, and something that everybody's going to agree are right. And what we're talking about is that stuff in the middle. 
And it's so. I, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to touch quickly on what safe spaces. Um, my understanding of safe spaces and their purpose are just so that so that we can kind of be on the same page. Okay. So, a friend of mine uh, recently was in school for something that medically adjacent, some birth related training, and for this training, they had to learn how to be very very vulnerable in in order to learn to be the best practitioner that she could be. Right. In order to learn how to be vulnerable you need to be given a space that allows you to be vulnerable without high risk. So okay. in her school, they created what what safe spaces are, which are let's discuss really, really difficult topics so that we can get the most of our education so that we can be the best practitioners that we can be going forward in the world. And there's actually a surprising number of professions where that's important. Yeah. Obviously, anything in the mental health field, anything in the physical health field, Um, anything to do with social work or people or connecting, you're going to need to learn how to be very, very real and vulnerable and learn how to work through your mental health. And in order to work through your mental health, you need an actual space that is mentally safe. You're you're basically, yeah, you're talking about setting up a laboratory for training purposes, if you will. And that's that's what a safe space is. A safe space is a place to allow you to be vulnerable so that you can grow and learn in the field that you're learning and growing in. That's what a university yeah, but, safe space is. It's not yeah, this, It's not a room not what, where people can go and avoid the people they has, don't like. Yeah, but that's where it's, it's morphed into that. It hasn't. That's the media way misconstruing because that's what it sounds like when you just hear the term. Yeah, but what, but there's cases of individuals going into lounges or places where, and it's like, well, this is, you know, this is a safe space for fill in the blank. And it's like, that's, that's, the, that's when it, like, and it has done that in some places where it's, and like I said, it, it, now you're creating a because you're creating an environment where people of a whatever group, minority, any kind of group, can go and, and feel safe and comfortable. And it's like that's insane because it's, it's like it, it, well, it's, it insane, it, well, it's insane because it's like like, like it's, it's, yeah because it's like well number one if you need a place to make safe that should be your own home but that's a whole other discussion. Okay, that's not always an option. But if, but no, no, but if you're creating places that are safe for certain individuals and other individuals are excluded. Now you're now you're promoting diversity for one. Well, not diversity. Um, that's not the right word. I'm looking you're, you're for. You're thinking of the word segregation. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, that'll work. It's not quite what I was thinking of, but that'll work. Like I say, you know, you're you're promoting segregation, and it, and it's and the thing is, is that like you know, you go out into the world into a working environment, and the university is the learning environment where you're going to get, you're going to go. And I and I understand what you're saying. The use of safe spaces as a training tool for different aspects of psychological training, hundred percent. But if you're just creating a space that's safe for pick a group. And it's not, like I say, it's exclusive. I don't know. Like I said, it's just, there's a problem with that because you go out into the world, the world, there are no safe spaces in the world. You come home to a safe space, hopefully. First of all, yeah, hopefully you can create safe spaces for yourself in the world. That's that's something that is, in my opinion, priority numero uno. I didn't even talk about that in the first episode, but that's like number one thing. Actually, is your environment. But... As far as, as far as, is there a good reason for, for safe spaces and stuff like that? I would ask, okay, so uh, what's a good example? A good example, um, I'm going to have to put a trigger warning in here, but survivors of um, sexual assault, right? So especially survivors of like, say, violent sexual assault mm-hmm. by men, female survivors mm-hmm. of violent sexual assault by men, which is a fairly large group, but it does exclude people who have been yeah. um, sexually assaulted, all sorts of different things. Right. I think that giving those people a place to heal where they're not going to have to see men, I think that that's a great thing. And yeah, it sucks for the men, but, you know, 
why why does a man wanting to be in a space where he's unwanted yeah but that's no why but that's is not, that more no, but that's important not, than, than the yeah but that's not what, that's not what we're talking about like i said my understanding of a lot of these safe spaces and a lot of the universities and stuff i mean like i say it's not a teaching training thing it's a place where you can go and hang out and be safe even if it's not a training teaching training thing what if it's just a healing thing like someone needs a place to unwind because you're like, oh, well, you should make your home your safe okay. space. Not well, you everyone know what? gets you know what? that no, opportunity, you, okay, you know, that brings, I'm going to bring the conversation full circle back to what we started talking about here. In terms of emotion, emotion, emo, who's responsible for emotional hurt? Somebody emotionally hurts you. And I agree with you. We have to be, you know, there, there are people, who, I mean, there's different people in terms of emotions. There are people who what I refer to like emotional hand grenades. Somebody has something happen to them and they just explode and everybody around them gets slapped with this emotion they go, and it gets stupid. Or there's people who are like emotional flame throwers. Anger is a good example of that. You know, we know a few individuals in our lives, they get really angry and they come into a room when they're angry <laughs> and it's like they're walking in with a flamethrower and they're spraying this anger over everybody. And it's like, yeah, that shit's not acceptable. And it happens. And people like that need to be, you know, need to be talked to, need to be addressed, if you will. So a lot of times people are doing this shit and they don't even realize they're doing it. They don't have a comprehension. But the problem isn't them doing that kind of shit. That is a problem and it needs to be dealt with. And there's all kinds of other examples we could go into that kind of stuff. But the problem is on the other side of the fence, we're talking about a safe spaces here. I think the responsibility for most of us is we need to have a safe space in our own head. Like who's in, like, you know, like, we, like I, I, my granddaughter, when she's misbehaving, the question she gets asked is who's in charge? Because she, she's, she tends to be a little bossy. She tends to be a little pushy. She likes to do things her own way. <laughs> And when she, when she turns around and acknowledges that, you know, daddy's in charge or mommy's in charge or grandpa's in charge, she, she gives up that authority and she does what she's told kind of thing. It's not that cut and dry, but that helps. Yeah. And what I've done to turn that around on her is she, and sometimes like she came up to me a couple of weeks ago and it was like, grandpa, I'm bored. And I looked at her and I said, who's in charge? And she goes, you are. I said, not of that. I'm not. And she was like, well, what do you mean? And it's like, if you're bored, you need to figure it out. You need, you know, without getting into the whole thing. But well, it comes down to the same thing. We need to have a place in our own heads when the crap from the world comes and slaps you upside the head. Is your re- immediate reaction to get angry and lash out at everybody around you? Well, that's a common thing in our world today, and that's not acceptable because okay. you don't you don't have a safe space in your own head where you can take in the stuff of the world, digest it. Yes, there's always going to be stuff that's going to offend you, the stuff that's wrong, that you know. But you can deal with it without having. Uh, like just this flat out emotional response deal with it in a, in a um a rational manner using your cognitive centers of your brain if you will well i mean but okay daddy the, the yeah. thing is the thing is that we have to meet people where they're at not some theoretical place they should be being able to retreat into your own mind and have that actually be a safe space where you're not bombarded with with, um, you know, intrusive thoughts or bad coping mechanisms or all sorts of things that are often more damaging than not. If, if, if we like, it's, it's all well and good to say that people should have that, but that's, that's a huge set of skills that needs to be developed. And even as they're developed. So, so what I'm saying though, is that we need to meet someone where we're at. So like one person that we were, you know, you were talking about someone who you think is an emotional flamethrower. I think I know who you mean. (laughs) That person also is an emotional flamethrower in reaction to whatever is going on environmentally that stimulates him to, to anger, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So he, of course, needs to learn how to be better at receiving, yeah. like we all do. Oh, yeah. But that can't happen overnight. So what we need to do is meet them where they're at and not tell them what they should be. Because the problem with the word should is it's just comparing 
reality to some hypothetical ideal that doesn't exist. And we're never going to be happy if we're always looking at should, you know? Well, I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't, please don't understand, or please don't understand me because you don't. Please don't understand <laughs> me. All right, done. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, understand, no, understand what I'm saying. Like this, what I'm talking about, like it's, this is not something that happens overnight. This is not something like there's no pill you can take to do this crap. You need to learn this. And I mean, and, and the truth be told, that's when I, when I say my ancestors failed me, like this is the kind of stuff that I should have been taught when I was five, six years old, not when I was 50, 60 years old. Yeah. Because, and, and it's, that's how they failed me. And I mean, I, I'm trying, you know, I try to pass it on as I've learned stuff. I try to pass it on to my grandkids and that's the way it worked traditionally. I mean, the family, that's part of the, the, the family falling apart, the nuclear family kind of thing. But either way, these are the kind of things that should be taught should be taught to children, should be taught to teenagers, should be taught, you know, I mean, a lot of it, even if it doesn't have a big impact on their life when they're younger, when they get older, and they've, when they learned it when they were younger, when they get older, it'll make a big impact. Yeah. Learn to control, like, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, I've, I've said for years, I mean, that what goes on in your head comes down to three basic things, is the, having an attitude of gratitude, yeah. having control of your mind, being able to shut your mind down and go quiet and go calm, and having the ability to accept what is, and when I say accept what is, something you know, something horrific handles in front of you. You look at it and, and it's like, okay, this is what happened. And you, your brain accepts that without judging it. And that's really well, hard, yeah. especially if it's something, if it's something really horrific. But the thing is, is that, and, and I say that in that fashion because what, because I accept it doesn't mean I condone it. Doesn't mean I think it's right. It's just, it just, it, it is the way it is. And then we can deal with it from there kind of thing. And that's life in general. But those three. Yeah, you're those, talking about radical acceptance. Yeah, radical acceptance is one way that it's explained. You know, like I said, and, and it's, it's, the thing is, is that those three basic things are a place to start. You know, I've told you before, there's, there's some really good teaching on that kind of stuff, but it's not something you learn overnight. And people are going, well, and like I say, to say, when we say, well, we have to meet people where they are, I find that to be a bit of an excuse. It's like, you know, when a child is doing, well, no, no, baby, it comes down to the same thing. When a child does something wrong, you correct the child, you explain why it was wrong, teach them how to, to improve their behavior. And then go on, knowing you're going to have to do it again because it's a repetition thing. Sure. But for the but what happens is a lot of people is like you know like well it's just the way I am it's where I'm at I can't do anything about it so their behavior should become completely acceptable and they're going to make no effort or respond take no <laughs> responsibility in changing their behavior and you know what don't get me wrong there's lots of people who are looking to change and they want to change they just don't know how where I'm, do I go to get the help I need I'm and talking it's just not more there. like about I'm sorry I I didn't mean go to ahead. cut you off it's just that yeah I. I, I I hear what you're saying, but I feel like mm -hmm. it's because you misunderstood what I meant, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. Because when I say meet people where they're at, I don't mean leave people where they're at. Yeah. I mean, you teach someone to walk before you teach them to run. Mm -hmm. You teach someone ma multiplication before you teach them calculus, you know? And it's fine to say that everyone should know calculus, but if half of the world doesn't even, doesn't even recognize numbers yet... Then, then we shouldn't be teaching high-level calculus to everyone and getting mad when they don't understand it. That's what I say when I say meet people where they're at. What I mean is, you, you get there and you you teach them you teach them to count to ten, and then you teach them how to add, and then multiplication, and then eventually teach them calculus. Okay, okay you know what? That's a, 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 that's an interesting way of putting it. So you're going to meet if you're looking at that definition, making people where they're at. But the problem is, is that if you meet people where they're at and they don't want to change. Because they don't want to be responsible for their own, you know, it becomes an excuse. If, if I change, then I'll become responsible for my own actions or, or inactions, whichever the case might be. Okay, okay. And, and it's, you know, I mean, like you say, don't leave them where they're at. But if they want to stay where they're at, 
then the responsibility and accountability for their action falls on them. And if they turn around, the, well, no, the argument where they turn around and say, well, you know, well, this is the way I am and I can't do it any better. And it's like, well, I absolutely refuse to learn to do it any better. You're just going to have to, you know, live with it. And it's, it's hurtful to others. It causes others grief in some so, way, shape, or form. So, I mean, That's yes, right. yes. So I agree. I agree to some degree with what you're saying. And to some degree, I don't. Of course. What else is new? <laughs> I'm gaining ground. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's how you heard it is. Oh, she agrees with something. Um, but uh, I agree somewhat with what you're saying in the sense that it's like, if someone refuses to change, I guess I just, I approach it differently. So like, I look at, there's lots of people in my life who at least at one point refuse to change or acknowledge things that I recognize that they didn't recognize or whatever. But as far as the responsibility goes, if you can't see something... Like, if you genuinely don't see something as problematic, it's not really a malice thing, right? So say, like, you know, the emotional fire throw, flamethrower thing, fire thrower, you know, those fire throwers, the emotional flamethrower thing, if that person doesn't recognize that, that that is problematic for other people or whatever, and so they refuse to change, my approach tends to be... I give less resources, less emotional energy, less, you know, time, etc. to people who refuse to change and continue to be problematic. I don't give none. I definitely try to give them space so that if they come to that conclusion, we can go forward. But I don't spend my energy trying to make them something that they're not when they don't even recognize that there's something that's harmful. And I also try to remember, too, that I have my own biases that play into what I think is harmful and what I don't. Right? So I'm not always right. Oh, yeah. And just to add to that, those like those kind of individuals, they also tend to, huh? as a society, they tend to become isolated. Well, yeah. Because, they be, because, they're, because they're hard to be around, so people just don't want to be around them. And all of a sudden, you know. One day they wake like up said, alone, yeah. They, well, because they push everybody away. Yeah, so, and and, 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 that's, and that's not good for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, you know that there's, like, been a few friends in my past who there were irreconcilable differences with and then we parted ways eventually i try to in my own like you know in my own mind i try to leave space for them to if they like if they reached out to me i would have a conversation with them and allow at least give the opportunity to see if they've come to a space that's more compatible with being in my life i don't want to pretend like i'm like the ultimate moral judge so i i mean i see i see the things that they did as harmful they didn't see them as harmful whether or not they were objectively i don't know i don't know if that's really a thing the world's full of psychopaths um <laughs> but like i said like i try to leave space and and you know i'll still give some resources if i have them to help people that i feel are in that space because i think that a big one of the hard things when it comes to people who when you want to meet them where they're at you don't want to leave them where they're at but, you know, they're miserable and they seem to want to be miserable and everything like that, is that those people still need love. You know, those people still need validation and acknowledgement. They still need to be seen. So I try to make sure that I do that. I love them and I see them without investing my own emotional energy into something that is just going to ultimately frustrate me and drive me to the ground. And then I don't have any energy for anyone in my life. Right? Which is why I ended up leaving the friendships with those couple of people who I think you know who I'm talking about, but I don't want to drop names on a podcast. Sound really far away again, Daddy. I don't hear me. But yeah, like, you know, I had to, to some degree, leave them behind. But I still, if, if someone's seeing them, you know, I'll pass along, you know, messages of like, hey, hope you're well, that kind of thing, and stuff like that. Because I, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. And not everyone is going to change. I mean, I've known people who 
died before they ever even considered their mental health. You know? It happens. Okay, what is going on with your mic? Again, it's making me so again, crazy. Oh, again, again, a lot of that, again, again, a lot of it has to do yeah. with um, lack of training. You know, and that's, and that's, that's one of the things I contend, I guess, our society in general. Is because, yeah. like, this whole thing about, basically we're talking about your headspace and how it functions. Who's in charge in your headspace? Who's the driver? Who's in the driver's seat? Well, in- is it your emotions? Is it your mind? Well, good, well, well, both of those make good co-pilots. They make lousy drivers. Like, if they're in charge, it's not going to end well. Well, yeah, DBT talks about something called wise mind. So there's emotion mind, and then there's, I want to say, cognitive or thinking mind or something like that. I don't remember the other term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's then when you use both of them, it's called wise mind, where you basically, you use the, what is that word? Uh, the discernment that comes from your emotion mind. As well as the logic that comes from your like cognitive thinking mind, and uh, yeah, so yeah they, they basically they both feed, they both feed you and they're both good as systems, mm-hmm. but they're, but they're not made to be to, to, to be the lead role. Like if you're using your like they say if you're using your if you're going by either one of those, yeah, it's like letting a ten year old run your life, mm-hmm. and that's not going to end well, you know. But it's like and and, and it's but, being oh. in charge. Who's in charge? You know, who, like I said, like who's in charge? Who's 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 and, and a lot of these things are things that we should be teaching. We should be teaching our kids. We should be teaching our teenagers. We should be teaching ourselves, for God's sakes. Well, yeah. You and know? so to circle back to the original question of who's responsible for any given person's emotions, I think that everyone is responsible for everyone's emotions somewhat. And so, like, think of it this way. Say, say I'd say... I- I'm 50% responsible for my emotions and the rest of the world, including my upbringing, including all the things that come into my life are maybe, or maybe I'm 51% and they're 49%. At the end of the day, or not responsible, at fault, let's say, to, to be blamed for whatever. These emotions are caused by 51% me, 49% the rest of the world all combined. And I'm 100% percent responsible in the sense that I'm the only one who can who can change how I interact with and receive the world around me. Um, I look at it a little differently. I mean, basically, I think we're, I think there's two, we're, we're talking about two, two different things here. One is the emotions that you project out from yourself when you walk around. Like I said, you can walk around like an emotional flamethrower throwing acid on everybody. You can walk around like a little uh, love fountain, you know. And, I mean, it sounds kind of corny when you say it, but, and, and, but the thing is, is that you know, if you talk about it's the energy you put out is the energy you get back. Like, there's some real truth to that. I mean, you walking by, even you walk by somebody and they just have a generally good outlook on life and, and they're easygoing and accepting and, and, and calm people. You, we like to be around people like that because they bring that same feeling to ourselves. Absolutely. Right? So, and the thing is, is that if you're conscious of the, of the energy that you're putting out or the emotion you're putting out, the payback is, is that it creates an environment around yourself, if you will, like a mini climate around yourself that, if you're always in good moods, you'll attract those kind of people around yourself and life will be a lot better from that perspective. Yeah. But the other side of the coin is it's like the energy that comes into you and, if, and you know, we take it in through our senses and all the rest of it. Where you don't have to get all mystical about it. You know, the words you hear, the things you see on the TV, the, sure. you know, on, on, your, on your phone or whatever, all these things come in and, and, and you can set up, if you will, an emotional firewall to help filter this shit out. I mean, a lot of the filtering starts with just don't do it. Don't watch the news. If you, if, if the news, if, if you watch the news and you get angry or sad or frustrated, don't watch that shit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not helping you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if I mean, and there was a time in my life when I was like I said, I had I was having some like in a really dark place, and the only thing I was watching was romantic comedies. <laughs> You know, and I was watching the ones I knew had a really happy ending. Like, I'd watch them again and again because it was like my brain was so so fried. I couldn't follow a storyline, but it had to be a happy storyline. No, but I get that. You know, but, and so, but I mean, that's, but the thing is, is that just in our day-to-day life, we should be doing that. And it's, you know, if, if, and you, if we set up those firewalls, if we filter out this stuff that's coming our way, you know, like you pick up a book, you pick up an article, and you start reading about something that you know is going to upset you, whether you've already researched it, you understand what it's about, it's going to upset you, don't read the article. Whether it's in favor or against what you're doing, flip to the next page. I call it changing the channel. You start thinking about things that are not good for you, that are that are depressing, that that, that that make put you in a bad place. It's like learn to catch yourself doing that, and it's like okay, I'm going to change that channel. Well, and how do you do that? That's the hard part. It can take years to learn that, but if you start now, you'll get there. Well, yeah, like there's a lot to it, and I mean, definitely, yeah. I I know. Okay, so you know that like I had a pretty pretty tough month or so uh, recently, right? So. Yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things that happened early on, and so it happened, um, it definitely triggered a lot of the, like, the trauma from Missouri and all of that stuff, you know, the abandonment issues and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is that suddenly, after the event occurred, um, suddenly my, my paradigm was completely different than the usual. I, I just like, and I remember feeling this way when I was like 14, like it felt like I was using my 14 year old brain and it was really annoying Um, because of course, of course, 14 (laughs) is when I went to Missouri. Right. And, and I'm like looking around and like, but I've I've, I've still got a lot of the information I have now. Like, you know how that I'm kind of like nihilist and stuff like that. Well, that was like applied, but in a really bad way. So I'm like, nothing matters as opposed to like now where I'm like, yeah, nothing really matters too much. It was like, nothing matters, (laughs) you know? And, and it was really frustrating because I could recognize that, oh my God, I just need to shift my paradigm back. I just need to get my actual lenses back. Like, it's like I'm walking through the world wearing bees glasses or not bees, but like somebody else's anyone's glasses that weren't my own. And I'm like, I just need my normal glasses back. And I didn't know how to do it. And then eventually just like through talking to people and stuff, I I got back to me. But it, my point (laughs) is that not only does it take a lot of time, but if I hadn't recognized what was going on, Mm -hmm and that my paradigm had shifted, it would have taken infinitely longer, right? Because you get stuck in a place so, where, well, this is my view of the world. It's just the way it is. And it, it's helpless. It's helpless because we believe our brains. Well, we believe that our brains are telling us the truth all the time, yeah. which, of course, is ridiculous. Well, and the thing, the thing is, like, and this is something I've said this, I've said, I know you've heard me say this before, is just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. Oh, yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah, I, I feel like you got that for me. Like, What's that? I, said, I feel like you got that from me, not the other no. way around. <laughs> no, little girl. No. Okay. Okay. Agree to disagree. That's, okay, that you know what? That's like the opposite effect of uh, shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure of it because I know I said that when. Shits and giggles. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just you peeked go. out and made me laugh. <laughs> What's that? My, my yeah, but anyways, but no, but, that, but that's the thing, and, and that's exactly what you're talking about, though. You, you all of a sudden, you, something happens. You watch something. You see something. Somebody says something. You're, there's a million ways it can happen, and you're. You, it's like somebody sw- switches the, the lenses on the camera, and you, it's and you don't notice. And it's like, well, you're not paying attention to what lenses in the camera. Basically, you're not watching what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. You're just sitting there and going, "Well, this is the way it is. Everything's on autopilot." You know, it's like I've said for years. Pay attention. There will be a test. Well, There's always an effing test. 
Yeah, my effing. I'm pretty sure we both said fuck at some point. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, but yeah, my point is that it's all well and good to say that we should we should take responsibility for what happens to us, but we're not all in a place where that's even possible. You know, like you can't fix something that you don't see. Even if you see it, you can't fix it without the tools. So it takes time. So we need to meet people where they're at. And I know, like you said, not everyone wants to be met where they're at. Not everybody wants to try and foster better relationships and, and better connection. But for those people, you know, you just you just leave them a basically you leave them a seed. Well, if they plant it, awesome. If well, they I, don't, well, it, actually, but it, there's, a, there's a key difference here in the conversation, or a key point right the moment you said that. Is that? And you're right. There's a lot of people who cannot be responsible for what we're talking about, or what I'm talking about, you know, keeping track of what's going on in your head and all the rest of that stuff. But my point is, is that just because you're not responsible does not mean you're not accountable for your actions and behavior. You don't understand this stuff. It's like you're still, I mean, like that, that's, that's probably a point where you could say, you know, ignorance is no excuse. You're still accountable. You go out and hurt somebody, you know, like, you know, okay, talking about somebody who's an emotional flamethrower, bring that up again. You're going through and you're like, just, you're angry about something and you walk through a room of people and you upset everybody because the amount of anger, you're just like, people are like, what the hell? Well, that's, you're, you're still responsible for that. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be held accountable for that. Somebody should stop and say, hey, dude. Okay, so, well, I would argue that... You would argue with me? I would. I would endlessly <laughs> argue with you for 30 fucking years. Um, I would argue that... Good thing I had a 30-year head start. (laughs) I would argue that they they are held accountable, but by something bigger than us, whether you believe in God or the universe or karma or whatever, I would say that those people are held accountable. So emotional flamethrowers, for example, you know, they don't end up with very many close friends and connections. And the friends and connections that they do have, there's a dynamic there that's uncomfortable and a walking on eggshells. So they don't, you know, end up having the same level of connection because they're not doing that. So they don't need someone to come in and correct them because the universe is already doing that. And their, their punishment is in, in the consequences that are beyond the control of any one person. Anyways, that's the way I see it. Yeah. But, but like I say, if we had an understanding or training or, or, or a system in place that like, you know, you were taught about these kind of things, which there's nothing talked about this kind of stuff. Like nothing. Well, we're talking about it right we, now. We talk about it. We talk about all kinds of stuff. But I mean, I'm talking about in, in the world in general. There's, you know, there's nothing like that in place to help people to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, you've got you've got somebody who's close to you who does that kind of thing, and you want to help them. Like, how do you help them? It's, I mean, you're basically, you know, you can't force people to change. No. You know, you try to show them what's there. You try to expose. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do, but it's still, I don't know. Like I said, that, and that's that whole thing. It, like I said, the problem with you know coming back to the original question, like. We are responsible for what goes on between our head. We're responsible for how, you know, whether, you know, I mean, I guess ultimately, and I think you and I have talked about this, so I, I, I'm not sure if this is a place to get into it, but, you know, like, whether you're happy or not is a decision you make in your head. Yeah, it's... 100%. It's, 100%. At least, there's, I would say, all kinds at of, least I would correct you to happiness is a dozen or maybe a hundred decisions that you oh, make. Oh, it's a decision you make every day. They don't even feel connected to one another. Like there's so much that goes into happiness. That's why I'm doing a podcast all about it. Right? Yeah, but I, like is because it's but, but, more than a decision. Well, I, like I said, it's it's a decision and it's a process. If you want to, if, instead of using the word decision, it's a process. But it goes on in your head, and what comes in from the inside or the outside world to affect that process is within your control completely. But you got to learn how to do it. It's like saying, you know what, you 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 can fly. I, I you know I can take you down. You can fly a 
like a like a, uh, a jet fighter. Picture a modern jet fighter, and anybody can fly it. You know, it's like, well, you can probably teach anybody. Some people would take a long time to teach, but uh, anyway. I lost that. I lost what was going on in my head. You could probably edit that out. <laughs> um, I probably won't. I'm not going to edit anything out. But brain fart. What? Uh, no, yeah, that's fine. What it seemed like you were saying is that we have control over what comes into our worlds, and that's like hella false. We have some no, control no, 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 no. over what. Oh no, 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 no actually, well, I'm not the first one to say this. I know. It's not that we have control over what comes into our world. We have control of what effect it has in our world. Mm, I 100%. mean, like, where we prioritize it? Is that what no, you No, I mean, in, in terms of how it affects you. Like, I mean, I don't mean to sound flippant when I say this. It's not something that's easy, but, like, you know, like, well, Viktor Frankl is one we've mentioned before. You and I have talked about him. Viktor Frankl? Who's that? He was, he was yeah, he was a, a German, uh, I think he wrote a PhD thesis on basically what I'm talking about. Like, you know, you have control of what goes on around you. Can be happy or not be happy. It's up. It's totally up to you. And very shortly after he finished his thesis, he spent four or five years in Auschwitz. As a, as a, as a he was a German Jew, and he spent. Oh he, yes, he, yes, we've talked about. And he survived the camps. And he went on. And he wrote some books about his experience and stuff like that. But he was basically. This is. He got up and said this, and it was like, okay, it was like the universe said, like, okay, so that's what you're saying. You know, put your money where your mouth is, kind of thing. You know, like, and he lived it. And it's and it. The reason he survived is because he understood this. It was, it was, and it's, and it, it's not, and it, but it's not, and my own experience as I'm learning about yeah, it, I, I, mean, I haven't got it mastered by yeah. any means, but as I'm learning about it, it is something that it's a day-to-day process. It's, it's part of that, part of what, what do you call it, a mindfulness, paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, it's mindfulness as you pay attention to what's going on in your head. I would say. You control how happy or how sad you are. And yes, there are outside influences, rather. Ugh. I would just say that it's, it's, it's easy to it's easy to say that i mean you and i are both on that journey to different degrees i think anyone listening it's worth noting that my dad and i had a very 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 challenging relationship for a long time and we were both pretty unhappy a decade ago so just worth noting that we you know have been on this journey for a long time but like i said there's people who aren't even aware of the possibility of this journey and i don't think i don't think that it's ever a good idea to hold up one example as proof of something because there's always a lot of factors that go on. Now, I don't know enough about this fellow, this Victor Frankl fellow, to, to talk oh, about just, what was going yeah. on with him. But, you know, there's there's a chance that he had a, a different kind of brain, you know, that his brain was actually wired differently and he was no, wired to a deep chance it happened. No, no this, kind of stuff he, you know, this kind of stuff he's talking about is, I mean, he was not the first to talk about it. A lot of this stuff you can find, any of the great teachers talk about this kind of stuff, whether it be Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha. <sighs> What's that? Socrates. <laughs> Nothing. No. Okay, but Daddy, it is. Uh, it's been almost fifty minutes okay. here, so I think it's time to wrap up for for now. I can call no, you no, after no. if you want. We can chat more. But for now, I just want to say thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me. I think it's an ongoing conversation, as are all of these conversations. Oh, oh, it's and, and it's and it's like I said, you know, we're, uh, we're talking about learning this stuff. It's an ongoing learning thing. It's this isn't something that you go take a course and, and learn it. You, I mean, you can do that, I suppose. You can get somebody to show you, you know. But it's a. I recommend but it's, DBT. But it's an, well, I'm not talking about a DBT. I'm just talking about learning to control what goes on in your. I said DBT. Oh, D- I, rec- I recommend DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy. That's one. I, I recommend. You know what? If, if you want to start learning to control what goes on in your head, the first place I recommend just about just about anybody to start is meditation. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's daily true. daily meditation is a practical guide, and then for me, like Tai Chi was a good one. But there's other ones. Yoga will do it too. 
you know. But yeah, we we uh, we have plenty to talk about, so hopefully we can yep. uh, we can connect again soon and have another conversation oh, about sure. who knows what. Apologize for any swearing or tension. I have no idea. That's that's what happens a lot in my dad's conversations with me. So yeah, so our family tends to yeah emotional sometimes. <laughs> so if that happened, I apologize and oh yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and close it. I hope y'all have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. As always. Take care. Bye bye.